You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. Was he a teacher or a gardener? He was a prophet and he used to talk to the king, that's right. Well, (laughs) there was a king in the story, you remembered, right? And he had a pretty tough job. His job was to bring the voice and the word of God to a very divided Israel. He was telling them to come, turn away from their idols and turn back to the one true God. And you might remember he's been exhausted, he's seen genocide, he's, it's been a really tough ministry. A few years back, sorry, a few chapters back, he said, I'm sick of this, raise up someone else. And God was faithful to that prayer, raised up Elisha, and today's the day we're going to look at the change over there. So I'm going to tell the story, and kids, I have a question for you. The question is, what's weird and what's wonderful about this story? You haven't heard the story yet. So you've got to, what's weird and what's wonderful about this story? I'm going to ask you afterwards. Okay, for those following in the Bible, the story comes from 2 Kings 2, verses 1 to 15. The time came for the Lord to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. He departed with Elisha from Gilgal and walked towards Bethel. On the way, Elijah stopped and said to Elisha, Depart from me. The Lord has called me to go to Bethel. And Elisha said, No, I want to come with you. Please don't leave me. So they walked on to Bethel. They had the same conversation in Bethel. Please don't leave me, said Elisha. So Elijah let him carry on and they walked together to Jericho. Then they had the same conversation in Jericho. Please don't leave me, says Elisha. And they continued to walk on to the River Jordan. On the way to the River Jordan, a company of 50 prophets were watching them walk together. And they said, Elisha, this is the day that the Lord's going to take Elijah up in a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha said, I know, I don't want to talk about it. And they kept walking. When they got to the River Jordan, Elijah took off his cloak and threw it into the river. And the water parted, and Elisha and Elijah walked to the other side, to the dry ground. When they were there, Elijah said to Elisha, What do you want from me? And Elisha said, I want a double anointing of your power. (sighs) You don't even know what you're asking. You've asked for a difficult thing. But alas, if you see me go up to heaven in a whirlwind, you'll have what you ask. So Elijah and Elisha kept walking and talking, and suddenly a chariot of fire came down between them, led by horses of fire, and they picked Elijah up and took him in a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it happening, and he says, Elijah, Elijah, my father! Defender of Israel, you are gone. 
He was in such grief that he tore his coat in half. And then he picked up the cloak that had fallen and he went to the Jordan River and he threw it down and nothing happened. And then he picked it up and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And he threw it down and the waters parted and he walked across into the dry land. And the company of prophets that were watching all of this said, the power of God that was on Elijah is now on Elisha. Good story, hey? Question is, what was weird and what was wonderful about that story? They had the power switch. Was the power in the coat? No. no? Where was the power from? Uh, power was, well, some people might have thought it was in Elijah, right? But it wasn't in Elijah. It was in, wasn't in the cloak. It was from God. The power was from God. And Elisha worked that out because when he threw it down by himself, nothing happened. But when he said, where's the God of Elijah? Then the water parted. It was the power of God. What was weird and what was wonderful? Oh, have we got the microphone on? Same conversation, same competition. Well, both are pretty weird and wonderful. They did, I'm not sure if there was a competition, but they certainly had the same conversation. I'm going to take that as conversation, very insightful. They had the same conversation in Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho coming towards the River Jordan, and we're going to look at what that was about because it was pretty repetitive. Yep, last one. What was weird and what was wonderful? It's just deep in thought there. Um, it was wonderful that it was weird that um, they switched over their powers. Yes, yes. And did you have a thought? Does it come back to you? Still deep in thought there. Okay. They switched over powers. So the company of 50 prophets noticed it, and that was a really significant part of it, that the power of God that was on Elijah shifted to Elisha. Was anyone a little bit in awe of the chariot? No, that was pretty normal, they figure. (laughs) Okay. Good work, kids. Well, kids, you can go back to sit with your mum and dad. If you want to pick up some activities, you're welcome to grab them from the back as well. What questions might people's friends have when they hear this story? These kids weren't that interested in the blazing chariot of fire, but I reckon my my friends might be like, what's going on there? It's interesting when we read the Bible, this is actually a very short version of the actual story. Um, The actual story had the dialogue at every location. The chariot is one sentence, one to two sentences of the whole chapter here. So it's actually quite a small amount. And yet it's the part, at least at 8am, that we were drawn to. It's like, what was going on there? And in the Bible, we see these little glimpses of glory, is what I call them. These little glimpses of heaven. There's not a lot of explanation about them, except that they happened, and they point us to the realm that God's from. And it's like, well, that happened. No more explanation, except that 
It's from God, and it's a glimpse of him. We're going to continue with this story. I'm going to say it again. And the next two questions, uh, thanks, is what do we learn about people and what do we learn about God or Jesus? So I'm going to tell it again, and please be thinking about those ones. The time had come for God to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. So Elijah and Elisha departed from Gilgal. In the middle of that journey, Elijah said to Elisha, Depart from me. The Lord's called me to go to Bethel. And he said, No, I want to come with you. Please don't leave me. So they continued to Bethel and had that conversation there. Please don't leave me. And they had the same conversation in Jericho. I want to come with you. Please don't leave me. And they continued on to the River Jordan. On the way to the River Jordan, there was a company of 50 prophets that started following them. And they said to Elisha, Elisha, today's the day that Elijah's going to be taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha responded, I know. I don't want to talk about it. They continued to the River Jordan. And when they got there, Elijah took off his cloak threw it into the Jordan River, and the waters opened. They crossed the Jordan River to the dry ground on the other side. And when they were there, Elijah said to Elisha, what is it that you want from me? Elisha responded, a double anointing of your power. It is such a difficult thing that you've asked, you don't even understand. Alas, If you see me go up to heaven, the Lord will grant you what you've asked. They continued to walk and to talk. Suddenly, a chariot of fire came down between them with horses of fire, picked up Elijah and took him in a whirlwind up to heaven. Elisha saw it happened. My father, my father, Elijah, the great defender of Israel, you were gone. And he was in such grief, he tore his coat apart. And then he wandered back to the Jordan River after he'd picked up the cloak of Elijah. And he threw it into the river. Nothing happened. Where is the God of Elijah? He said. And then he threw it down again and the waters parted. And he crossed over to the dry land. The company of prophets were watching on and they said, the power of God that was on Elijah now rests on Elisha. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes, maybe one or two, to talk with people amongst you about these next two questions. What do we learn about people through this story and what do we learn about God or Jesus? Go for it. Okay, we'll gather back together and have a bit of a group think about that one. So the question was, what do we learn about people? Who would like to share, just yell out what your group thought in that one? What do we learn about people? Someone from the back over here? They don't like letting go. Please don't leave me. What do you think it was there for him? 
that made it hard to let go. He didn't want things to change. He didn't want to take over the mantle of Elijah. He'd seen him pretty closely. He knew what was perhaps approaching for him to be the successor. Some other things, what do we learn about people? They need the Lord. Thank you, I didn't see who said that, but they need the Lord, they need God. The power wasn't in the cloak, it was in the God of Elijah rather than Elijah himself. Um, This is one of my favourite stories when it comes to mentoring and discipling other people. There's a phrase in Jewish culture that says, I desire to smell the dust of my rabbi. It sounds a bit weird, right? But what it's talking about is, I want to walk in the shadow of my rabbi. I want to be so close to him that the dust from his feet, I can smell it. I'm that close. I want to watch and learn and be mentored by what they know about God and how they see God, and I want to learn that as well. And in this story, we see that. We see these two traveling together, several kilometers, well, sorry, more than several kilometers. It would have been days and days of walking and talking and sharing. And I don't know about you, but when I go to St Kilda, side tangent here, there's this lawn bowls club there. That Whenever I see that little lawn bowls club, I think about the first time I ever watched a game of AFL. And it was the grand final about seven or eight years ago where they had tied and they had to play again the next week. You remember that one? Well, that was my very first game that I ever watched. And everyone was jumping and it was wildly exciting and as a rugby person beforehand I was like I've been missing out like this is crazy fun this is awesome and now every time I go past that lawn bowls club I think about that story of the time it tied and for some reason we had to do it all again next week and I was I was learning about it but I can't help but tell that story it was really fun if that's how I felt about an AFL game imagine as they journeyed through these locations And I just want to take you there for a sec because it's important to the next couple of questions. They started in Gilgal. Gilgal was the location that the Israelites, once they'd escaped from the captivity of Egypt, were asked to collect 12 stones, each representing a tribe of Israel, put it in a little circle and remember what God had done. It was also a location that they had their first Passover. It was also a location that many of the enemies of God had been defeated. You couldn't help but remember who God was when you were in Gilgal. They moved on to Bethel, the place where their ancestor Jacob, um, or person they knew of Jacob, um, and would have read written about, was asked to turn, tell the people to turn from idols, create a, a offering to God, and... Uh, let this place be known that God alone was the true God. Jacob then had a dream of a ladder, angels going up and down, and he was told his identity in God and the identity of the Israelite people. Again, you couldn't help when you're in Bethel, but think about the history of his people there. And the walls came tumbling down. Here we get to Jericho, that famous story, where again the enemies of God were defeated, but not through arrows or might or power, of the people, but the army walking around the walls of Jericho seven times and then it collapsing by the giving glory to God. There was other things in Jericho. When you're standing there, you can see the history of God in the horizon very clearly. The River Jordan, place where Jesus was baptised, 
place where people stood and were told the promises of God, place where the water parted, surely remembering Moses with the Red Sea, pointing to Elijah and a new biblical period of history. Each of these locations had significant times and moments in God. And so when they were there, I'm sure they would have remembered who God was, who God wanted to be, but also the cost it was for Elijah and the people of God through that time. Elijah was giving Elisha a thorough apprenticing, a thorough training. He could have said, here's a manual, all the best with that. If you get stuck, go to the helpline on page 555 in the appendix or something equivalent, like we sometimes get. And yet he's like, I'm teaching you to look to God because that's going to be more important than anything else that comes. In our apprenticing, mentoring, particularly in church scenarios, it's so important for us to walk with people, not just to say, here's the sheet of what to do about this, but to journey with them, to talk with them about their fears, to tell of what God's done, to teach them, to point to God. I don't know if Elijah had downtime occasionally, just in a bit of space, Elisha, you've been following me a lot. I just like my little bit of space here. I don't know. I imagine Elisha walked so closely with him that he knew the ins and outs and ups and downs. He saw him enough to see, even in his weakness, God is strong and who God was to him. Next question. What do we learn about God or Jesus? Did we have some, do we have some thoughts there? This one's always a little bit tricky in the Old Testament because it's foretelling of what's to come. In this scenario, we see, obviously, Elijah being taken up to heaven. There's only two incidences in the Old Testament where that happened, where a person didn't physically die, but their life ended presumably by going up to God in a physical presence. Um, These are incidences to us, or to them, that foretold the idea that when you end in your physical body, you're with God. Paul taught this in the book of Philippians. He said, when I'm absent in my body, I'll be present with the Spirit of God, present with God. But back then, they didn't have the Bible, and they didn't have um, the theology we have as well-grounded. So they were picking up clues, like Elijah just went up to heaven. He's now with God. Oh, when we're not physical, we're with God. We're not in our physical presence, we're with God. So it tells us of what's to come. Elisha requested a double portion, which meant a double anointing, uh, a double level of inheritance, a familiar phrase back then. And it's interesting that where Elijah performed seven great miracles, Elisha went on to perform 14. Some might say he got his wish. Um, at least at least those ones were recorded. Uh, Finally, the next two questions. What difference could this make in your week ahead? And who might be encouraged to hear this story from you this week? Can you guys have a chat again for about a minute to discuss these ones together? Okay, we'll wrap that one up. This is one of the benefits of hearing a story a few times. Sometimes when you read it the first time, it's like, Well, what does it mean to me? If a flaming chariot ever comes before me, I'll expect that maybe the person I'm with is taken up. Like, is that the application? Um, Sometimes when we first read, things are a bit confusing. So 
It's good to read it again, all the word of goods, useful for teaching and for us taking in. As I read this one again and again, there's numbers of things that came out. One was to do with mentoring and apprenticing others, as I just shared earlier, but also as we glean from others, how willing are we to follow and help them and serve them to, to learn from them about their walk with God and how it means for us. <coughs> the second part um, was to remind ourselves of who God is. Now, I'll just share a personal story to finish up. In 19 days, 8 minutes and 26 seconds, I'm going to be getting married. (laughs) And it's funny because I'm witnessing a personal miracle. Usually to-do lists get shorter, but mine's getting longer the closer it gets to that date. It's just getting longer and longer. It's crazy good, but (laughs) amazing. And so the other morning, I felt God wake me up quite early to pray. And I got out of bed and I thought, I, I feel to pray, I'm going to go pray. And secretly, I had my to-do list in my pocket going, that, yeah, I should have prayed about this a long time ago, and got ready to pray through all the things that I felt I need to do. Before I could even start, I heard the word of the Lord say to me, um, behold, I am God, praise me for all the good things I've done. And it took me a bit. I'm like, oh, behold, I am God. Praise me for all the good things I've done. Huh. Behold, I am God. Praise me for all the good things I've done. Now, it took about seven times. I was just a bit like, oh, wow. Behold, I am God. Praise me for all the good things I've done. Suddenly, that to-do list seemed very unimportant in the grand scheme of things. And I had the most beautiful time of worshipping Jesus and praising him and looking on his face and just praising him for all the good things that he's done, not just in my life, but in our church life, through the Bible, the various things, everything I could think of, I started praising him. In that space of beholding God and praising him for what he'd done, I felt my heart expand, worries and concerns and calendar concerns and clashes, that sort of thing just dissolved and my heart just got bigger and bigger with joy and love for who Jesus was. The rest of the day was smooth and wonderful because of the the beginning starting in God's presence. So when I read that story, it's not just to remind and tell and teach others. Sometimes we, in our own lives, need a God intervention even if it's to wake up early and do so, but we could do so at the traffic lights, we can do so on our lunch breaks, to stop and behold what God has done and to praise him and to think and remember who he is. He wants to walk so closely with us and it's good for us to praise him and remember him. Well, that brings our story of Elijah to a close. I'll leave question six with you to ponder. I'm going to pray and then we'll continue on. Heavenly Father, we do praise you. There are so many reasons to. We praise you because we have breath. We praise you because we're here standing. We praise you because of who you've been, who you are and who you will be. Lord, we lift your name high. And I pray that as the word has been explored and taught today, that you would let it seep deep into our hearts bringing transformation and change in our lives this week and going forward. Lord, I pray your blessing on each person here, your peace and your joy for them and their families, and that we could be people that walk trusting you and knowing you and having the joy of the Lord in our heart.
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 